thank you for joining me, Ari. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So in broad strokes, what are your findings in this most recent tax study? How do this year's numbers compare to 2022? We take a look at this data every year. We like to take the kind of full scope look of all local taxes, all state taxes, just to kind of see where things are at and to try to provide a true sense of the tax burden. What we see in the fiscal year 2023 data, so that would be the year running from July 1st of 2022 to June 30th of 2023, we see personal income numbers that very much reflect the same thing that's happening with the tax numbers. So, you know, local tax revenues rose by 3.2% in the fiscal year. State taxes grew by slightly less than that, but right around kind of that 2% mark. And we also saw personal income rise by right around 2%. So the burden, which would just be the level of taxes divided by the level of personal income, is going to remain almost exactly the same. It was 9.96 in 2022, and it is 10.0 in 2023. So a very, very, very slight increase. But it just continues kind of along the the trend of what we've been seeing over the last number of decades, which is a, a gradual decrease in the tax burden, specifically from state and local taxes. Do you have any idea why this trend has taken place? There are kind of a number of factors. I think the at the local level, I think there's a there's a pretty clear one that we can point to, which would be, you know, especially within the last two decades or so, with the limits placed on taxes, especially property taxes. So for municipal governments, for county governments, and most other types of local governments, since 2011, each distinct government can only raise its property taxes each year by what's called the rate of net new construction, which is essentially the value created by new construction within whatever boundaries we're talking about divided by the total property value. Because that was instituted in 2011, since kind of the Great Recession, we've had lower levels of new construction than we might have seen prior to the Great Recession. And generally, those numbers have not kept up with inflation. So that is really holding property taxes back. So for our local taxes, that's really going to be a big reason why. For school districts, similarly, they're governed by a much more complicated formula, but that has had similar effects in holding down property taxes, generally to you know increasing by less than the rate of inflation over the last couple of decades or so. So at the local level, you know, property taxes make up a hugely significant proportion of all local taxes, and those limits are going to play a role. At the state level, I think it's kind of a combination of things. You know, any individual tax is going to have different factors influencing it. So just to cite an example, so like the cigarette tax. Back in the late 2000s, early 2010s, both the federal and state tax on a pack of cigarettes was raised pretty significantly. What we've seen since that time is that has had the effect of decreasing consumption quite a bit. So as fewer and fewer packs of cigarettes are consumed, there's going to be less and less going to state coffers from that tax. I think the big ones here at the state level, the individual income tax, the corporate income tax, and the state sales tax, generally we see those things kind of increasing over time, but we don't always see them increasing at the rate of inflation or or certainly at the rate of personal income growth. And I, I think that really brings me to, to the kind of final reason here, which is that over the last few decades, we've had very robust personal income growth, both you know in the state of Wisconsin, but also nationwide. And because we use that as the denominator here, generally you're not going to see taxes, at least in Wisconsin, grow to the same extent that personal income has been growing. Obviously, the pandemic influenced things, but you know the, the data that we were looking at this year speaks to what I think we see in a lot of years. And if anything, this is kind of an opposite of the trend, but the fact that the numbers are very close to each other this year, the personal income growth and the, the state and local tax growth are very close to each other is something that we we tend to see. And if anything, we, we tend to see the personal income grow a little bit more. 
So when it comes to this low tax burden, what are the effects for taxpayers? Yeah, so I think it kind of happens on two ends. On one end, generally folks are paying less of what they're making in taxes, which I think most folks will welcome as helpful to personal budgeting, family budgeting. Just to give some examples, back in kind of the 70s and 80s, the state local tax burden was closer to kind of 12, 13, 14%, um, and we're now right at 10%. So we're not talking about anything huge, probably not things that are going to make a, a world of difference for most folks. And again, this is we're just talking about statewide numbers here, but certainly something noticeable relative to 30, 40, 50 years ago. I think on the other end, when you go and talk to the governments that use taxes as their revenue source to fund all of the sorts of things that state and local government do, because we're looking at things in relation to personal income, they are still getting more and more over time. But if the purchasing power is declining, if there's inflation that is beating out what they're making in terms of tax revenue, that is going to bring some sort of challenge when it comes to actually providing services. I think we're, we're all familiar with what happens when governments have to cut services in a bigger city. You might see a library you know, lose some hours from its week. You might see bus lines be cut. You know, this can look like staff of certain departments like police and fire or public health departments be cut. There, there are all sorts of things that, that government gives back to us in exchange for these tax dollars and their loss in terms of purchasing power over time. So relative to what's kind of going on more broadly with the economy will be noticeable over a long period of time just when it comes to service cuts. And there are, of course, things that can be done to alleviate that in terms of finding efficiencies or, or consolidation. But when we pay taxes, we are paying for services that we receive back. And I, I think that that's also important not to lose sight of. I will say on the kind of property tax, and I think one of the things that we took a look at, you know, late in 2023 was Act 12, which is the shared revenue bill that was kind of part of the larger budget bill process. One of the things that we found was, you know, every municipality and county in the state is going to get a certain add-on when it comes to shared revenue, which is just state revenue that is passed along to local governments to use. And we actually found that Madison, I believe, is in the bottom two or three municipalities statewide, so out of like 1,800, 1,900 total, in terms of the amount of new shared revenue they're going to get per capita. The specific formulas that were involved in Act 12, I think that is going to be a story for Madison officials to tell. That's contrasted with the city of Milwaukee, who also, in terms of shared revenue, also got lower relative amounts per capita. They got obviously much more than Madison, but they were also able to, to you know, vote in, which they did, a new sales tax, which is going to provide them a brand new revenue stream. Madison specifically, when you look at the shared revenue kind of breakdown, they did not benefit in the same way as, as most other municipalities did. So I think that is going to be a really big facet for them. And of course, the levy limits that I mentioned earlier that dictate kind of what can be gained from the property tax at the local level, those are still in place. So I think when you start to see a local government, particularly a municipality, a county, or school district start to feel really squeezed in terms of budget, that's when you might start to see things like going outside of those limits to try to find exceptions when it comes to gaining property taxes, doing things like referenda. I'm not able to speak to these specific numbers when it comes to Madison, but certainly with Madison officials feeling budgetary constraints, we might start to see some of those new mechanisms come into play. Thank you so much for agreeing to speak with me, Ari. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. That was Ari Brown, a senior research associate at the Wisconsin Policy Forum. Earlier today, the Policy Forum released their yearly report on taxes across the state. 